0: Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast
1: with John Kim and Noelle Cordeaux. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co, that's J-R-N-I i.co for more information. Your adventure awaits.
0: Hey guys, on this episode, we're going to talk about something really important in relationships. We're going to talk about open-minded in relationships. Noelle, what does this even mean?
1: Hello, John. How are you?
0: <laughs> Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm well. So open-mindedness, there's a really specific definition for it. It is the willingness to search actively for and consider evidence against your own beliefs and perspectives.
0: Mm, th- this is rare and something that most people do not do.
1: It is rare yeah. and one of the important things about this way of being is individuals who have this particular strength and it is a strength and it is something that you can build tend to believe that letting go of a previous belief is a sign of strong character
0: Mm. give me an example
1: sure so um when i was younger I was raised in the Catholic Church and there were things that I were taught that were, you know, beliefs such as people who are gay are doing it wrong and are sinful. Um, That is now a belief that I no longer hold Mm. because I considered evidence from the outside world against my own belief. And as I grew into an adult, I changed my perspective. And as a citizen of the world, I do believe that because I was able to let go of a belief that I once held and move in a direction of you know reality and equality, that is a sign of character.
0: So it's this idea of challenging your own beliefs when it comes to uh, your relationship or relationships.
1: Relationships, the way you see the world, mm-hmm. um, when when we're when we're ta- when we're talking about open-mindedness, really specifically in the context of relationships, it helps you be in relationship better. Yes, because it gives you a window to understand the other person's perspective, and when you can get there, that's when empathy comes into the room, and right. that is just you know the peanut butter and jelly of relationships.
0: Yeah, and I think I think to start. Um... we have to read judgment because i think judgment would probably be one of the biggest walls to even getting getting to where you want to go with this
1: it's judgment and it's also, um, and, and this may sound, you know, kind of just like really obvious, but the opposite of open-mindedness and narrow, is narrow-mindedness. Yes. And, and we tend to, to throw narrow-mindedness as an insult, but it's also, um, a specific state of being that has definitions associated with it. It's called my side bias. Mm. And, and when you're dealing with my side bias, it's a state of being In which you you don't consider alternative ideas and perspectives on purpose. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's true. And people who are, who, who engage in my side bias, who are narrow minded, believe that changing one's mind is a sign of weakness,
0: right? Well, because if they believe something else, or if they're if they let other beliefs in their their world crumbles. Right. So there, it's almost like a form of control. Um, so it's basically, it's, it's the way I see the world and this is right. That is wrong. And if anyone proves me wrong or if I am wrong, that means my whole, (laughs) my whole world is falling apart. You know, my, my, my house of cards crumbles.
1: Yes. And it's, it's, it's this belief that you have to hold strong despite evidence.
0: Right. And that right. you
1: have to stick to your belief, even if you might think it's not the right belief.
0: Yes, there's a lot of people um, in the world today <laughs> with with that my cited, uh belief, very narrow. It's-
1: Yeah. And so, okay, so let's break this down. So, when you're in a relationship with somebody else, um, you each come to the table with your own prescribed map of the world that's been given to you from your family of origin, from the place that you grow up, and that's social construction theory. So, we all, if you can imagine what this looks like visually, we all have these boxes on our heads. And inside that box is the idea of the level of education that you can receive is the idea of of what your skill set is which you personally are capable of how far you can go in the world in terms of your career um, in terms of who you can marry, in terms of where you can move geographically, like literally, physically, how far you can go in the world, what your hair can look like, what your face can look like, what your body can look like. Um, and, you know, as coaches, I tell our students that your job as a coach is to really, really, really gently take that box that prescribes all that stuff off of somebody's head and hold their hand while they view the full expanse of possibility for the very first time.
0: Mm. Opening their eyes, basically. Opening
1: their eyes, opening their eyes to the fact that there, there is actually limitless potential for whatever you wanna do with your time. Right. And, and so, you know, in relationship, if you can imagine two people coming together and they both have unique boxes on their heads, these boxes are just gonna knock into each other.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're also bringing to the table their own definitions of love and what love looks like, which can be very different.
1: What love, what love looks like, uh, sex, how often that takes place, what yeah. that looks like, yeah. finances, how that works, what right. that looks like, food, holidays, family, you know, it, it goes on and on and on and on.
0: So, what do we do? What do we do to practice um, open-mindedness in our relationships? Because I, I, I do think it's a practice, correct?
1: It is. It is one hundred percent a practice. I mean, step one is acknowledgement that you have a box on your head.
0: Yeah, a- acknowledging your narrowness.
1: Yeah, acknowledging your narrowness and and having a conversation with yourself about, hey, am I willing to broaden my views? because it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. An example that I work with when I work with folks on alternative relationship styles is, um, is, is opening a relationship from monogamous to non-monogamous. Oftentimes there is one partner that wants to open the relationship and the other partner is really fucking freaked out.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, for most people, that's, that's terrifying, because it's, it's basically, um, you're, you're accepting a, a brand new uh, imprint, a brand new way to love.
1: Yeah, a brand new way to love. And and there's, and oftentimes, when when we bump up against something that's really hard to open to, there's fear on the other side.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, we're talking but, about brand new rules, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so the the goal of of engaging in this exercise and activity is to be able to take life's lumps and bumps and changes and different seasons and chapters and build strength of open mindedness so that you can understand somebody else's perspective in a healthy way Mm -hmm. that allows two people to grow together versus retreating further into their boxes.
0: Yes. And I think you know, this idea of safe spaces, especially in relationships. um, I don't think you could create a safe space unless you are practicing open mindedness. Because if someone comes to you with something, uh, or if there's a conversation, and you're being narrow, behind that, there's going to be control and you're going to want to put their box into yours.
1: It's a really common relationship mechanism to try to argue with your partner and yeah. get your partner to see the world through your lens. Right. And that's called control. Yeah, it's called it's control. It's manipulation. Right. I see it all the time. Have you ever seen one of those couples that just fights and fights and fights and fights? And, fights and it's just like, Oh, holy shit. Yeah. You know, like,
0: and they're fighting over something ridiculous, like silly. ridiculous. Yeah.
1: But 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 it's almost become this, um, this cyclical pattern of behavior of like, yes. you see the world wrong,
0: right? It becomes a um, a loop, it becomes a pattern, it becomes the mm-hmm. di- the dynamic of their relationship.
1: It becomes the dynamic of the relationship. There was uh, somebody in my friend circle who has this dynamic with his wife. And he turned to another one of our friends the other day and looked at her and said, I'm never going to have peace. Mm. And I, it Hi. was funny, but it was also sad.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. It, ba- it basically says I'm not moving.
1: Yeah. I, and and I'm never going to have peace that my wife can't accept me for who I am. She's always yeah. going to have a problem with me. There's always going to be a fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is sad. It is sad, and so. Well, I was going to say, if you're listening to this, um, you know, one of the ways that you can change the dynamic of your relationship, because most people are always always waiting for the other person to change. They're pointing fingers, they're blaming. Um, If you practice being open or open minded, you could then change the dynamic of the relationship.
1: You can, and yeah. you know, when we're talking about relationships over long periods of time, when, when you're early in a relationship, the getting to know each other, understanding each other's perspective, having these hard conversations, fighting, knocking around, that can be part of the dynamic, sure, great. Yeah. When you get into relationships that span, you know, eight, nine, 10, 20 years, and you're still hanging on to these dynamics that go in cycles of fighting and non-engagement and non-acceptance, if if you love it, I'm not going to yuck your young. But but what I see is um, it can become a toxic loop that triggers your nervous system and floods your body with cortisol. And it, it there is another way. Right. So
0: let's talk about about that other way.
1: The other way is, um, is number one, you have to come to terms with yourself that you have willingness to seek out and pay attention to evidence against your own beliefs and perspectives. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Um, so right now I'm working with a couple, two women, they're married And one of the two women is bisexual and she wants to open their marriage so that she can be fulfilled in who she is and also date men. Um, For the other partner, um, this is scary. Yeah, This is scary. So partner two needs to examine her own willingness to say, hey, is there a world in which I can pay attention to evidence against my own beliefs and possibly accept them as true for me in the future.
0: Mm.
1: And that tends to be a yes or no question.
0: Right. So starting with, um, I cha- no, no, starting with, um, challenging and, uh, asking yourself these questions first. Okay. So I, you know, I, I think what we're talking about, um, is, like, I think it's actually soil in a relationship. I mean, this idea of practicing open mindedness in your relationship. um, I I, I don't I don't know how you can have a thriving relationship, any relationship without that piece.
1: It takes bravery. Yeah, it takes bravery, because Mm -hmm. life changes constantly. And it's it's about having um, an open versus a fixed mindset yes. that yes. you as a human are willing to accept different perspectives from your partner and consider that they might have some validity down the line, even if it feels uncomfortable for you.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Um, putting the uh, open versus fixed mindset, applying that to your relationships, you know, asking yourself, are you um, maneuvering in a way where your mindset, is fixed? Or are you actually practicing an open mindset in your relationship?
1: Yeah, so I'll give you the exercise for this, because I thought it was really interesting. So if you're coaching someone, and there's something about their partner or their family, or somebody or some relationship in their life, that is there's constantly friction, you say, okay, what's one topic that you frequently argue about with someone and then you ask your client to write it down from their perspective next you step into your partner's shoes and you take that argument and you really get in there from a 360 degree perspective and try to mentally understand What that person thinks, feels, sees, hears, what their lived experience is like. And that's the part that's really intriguing because I think we tend to put walls up.
0: Yes. I used to be someone who would try to force you to understand me before trying to understand. And I've learned that if you try to understand before trying to be understood, Um, Then you're opening the doorway, you know, then you're able to practice empathy, then you're able to be in that person's shoes. Um, But most importantly, you're allowing the other person to be seen and heard.
1: Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken the time to actually get inside somebody else's head and try to see the world through their eyes?
0: Um, I, I've tried. I don't know how successful I've been. But yeah, absolutely. I've, I've tried to, you know, hear them out. You know, most people, first of all, when when the other person is talking, most people are already coming up with their angle. Or, the, you know, it's like a courtroom, you're already coming up with your defense. Um, so I, I try to stop that. And I try to actually listen to what they're saying. But not only what they're saying um, in language, but but like their energy, their body language, you know, try to understand their expression. Um, and then yes, and then doing everything I can to try to really see, see their situation, um, through their eyes in their shoes, based on their story, and 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 really try to feel that, you know, and then it's, it's so much easier to be empathetic, right?
1: I had never really done that before. I think I've, I've I'm good at being empathetic, but I had never actually Taking the time to get into an imaginative state of embodying mm. the other person. And when I did that, it was changing for me.
0: What was the difference? What changed for you when you did, did that?
1: It was exactly what you described. I think I have this natural inclination to be in the courtroom, to be coming up with my defense, to mm. like, you know, drill down. And if I'm in a, a fight or an argument or a case of friction, I go from being, you know, my usual fairy self to an assassin. Right. And um, you know, I, I need to take off the assassin mask and say, "Oh, okay, what's it like to really be inside of the other human?" And it it, it humbled me. Um, I felt love, and I, it made me understand things in a way that kind of brought me to my knees with openness.
0: Mm. Here's a great example for me, you know, the first time was when I was with someone who was struggling with an eating disorder. And as a, a young man, I, I didn't understand that it was a disease. I didn't, I just, to me, it was just baffling, like, oh, well, why don't you just eat more, you know, or, or, or you know, you look great. Well, you know, what's wrong with you? Like that kind of thing. And then when I actually made the, the decision to try to understand what that person is going through, how they think. Um, their relationship with their body and food, and then also their story and and the um you know the way that that happened from from the where uh, a child to now, then it gave me um, space to, to actually understand oh this is what this person is going through with and struggling with when it comes to eating and food and and how difficult that must be every time they sit at a table or go out socially and you know the the conflict in their head throughout the day and then it made me realize you know what that was that they were struggling with.
1: Oh, yeah. And kudos to you for getting there because that is such a a real lived experience that if you don't have that struggle, it can be really baffling to you.
0: Oh, yeah. And and and, and to, not to generalize, but especially um for for men, that that the eating disorder uh for men mostly they they don't realize or see um what it is they just think it's a phase you know it's
1: not, yeah it's not just men I'll give you an example so I'm super open that I've been through a million eating disorders anorexia bulimia binge eating disorder and body dysmorphia
0: right.
1: so I still have body dysmorphia
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what body dysmorphia is is I am cognitively aware that I am physically incapable of seeing or understanding what I or my body really looks like at any given time in the present. Right. Or a picture of myself in the present. So I can pictures of myself from years ago and accurately see what I look like. But today at this exact moment in time, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, it's distorted.
1: It's distorted. And so I went, I had um, professional headshots done yesterday Mm. And for somebody with body dysmorphia, that's like my worst nightmare.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: because I have no idea what I look like. It's professional hair and makeup. I don't wear a lot of makeup. I felt like a drag queen. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on, you know? Yeah. And But I was aware that I really had no way of assessing accurately. And I went out with some friends and, you know, nobody could really fully get how uncomfortable I was with that much makeup on. And mm-hmm. like that, I I, I just, I felt like I was out of my body and everybody was like, you look great, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, 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 you know, you guys don't understand, <laughs> like yeah. this, is, this is like a normal, like night, like this is actually a really traumatic experience for me and I'm like reeling from it. Right. And so they got there eventually, but it was, it was hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So going, going back to um, openness and openness in relationships, how, yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of um, close with, do you want to give people some tips on how to do it or, or how to start?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's really getting into that. That's that space of trying to understand through somebody else's eyes and to use your imagination to really get in there and to use your soma, your body somatic response. So when you're, imagining your partner's world and you're really understanding through their lived experience and what they're telling you, where does it show up for you in your body? Do you feel it in your throat, in your chest, in your stomach? And that'll give you clues to where your own resistance is. Um so that's super interesting important and your body tells you so much about what's going on for you and then you you evaluate how easy or difficult was it for you to adopt the other person's perspective has that shifted you at all if so how and you know what would it be like for you to do this more moving forward
0: yes and know that um if you can get really good at this right if this is cuz this is a tool and a practice you're bringing so much more to the table in all your relationships
1: yes all your relationships yeah
0: i mean you you're really expanding and and um i mean i i i think this falls under the the category of being self aware you know and uh you're just you're just a better human
1: a better human, and it makes your own life easier because your walls are down, you sure. experience less threats, and you're able to move through the world with, uh, with less stress.
0: Yes, you, you hold on less. You want to control less. You accept more. So it, it's, it's good all around. And um, Noelle, thank you for always uh, sharing your personal stories. I, I try to do the same, and I think um, when people are listening, they really appreciate that because you know, people can relate to them.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. You too, John.
0: All right. All right. Have a great weekend. Be well.
1: You too. Take care.